everybody and welcome to the podcast. This is Roland. I am one of your hosts, Ryan, and with me as always is my dude, Ty Lore. How you doing, Ty? I'm doing pretty good, Ryan. It's uh, raining out, but it could be worse. How are you? It could always be worse. <laughs> I am good. Uh, I am good. I'm just abiding as usual. Good to hear. I'm glad to hear that. You got to keep it, uh, you know, you got to keep it calm. Got to keep it calm and relaxed. So this week, uh, I think it's pretty obvious. We are covering the 1998 film The Big Lebowski, written and directed by the Coen Brothers, starring Jeff Bridges, John Goodman, Julianne Moore, and Steve Buscemi. And oh, is it a good movie? Oh, it is. So, <laughs> tell me what you think about this movie, Ty. I I really enjoyed um, everything about it. This wasn't my first time watching the movie. Uh, it was I, I don't. I don't know. I don't even know what how many times I've seen this movie at this point. Um, but like looking over at this time, I just really noticed the color, uh, just how much the color popped. And I, I obviously I haven't watched it in probably a good five years. So like there's there's things that I didn't remember about the movie that I picked up on, and that it was just great. I think it's a really funny movie with a uh, loose plot that doesn't really matter much. Yeah. Yeah, I pretty much agree with you on that. <laughs> um, so I I only saw this, last time I saw this was maybe two months ago, so it hadn't been too long. And it was, I mean, it didn't even matter that it was only two months ago. It was still hilarious this time. Because like, when I went in, when we decided to do this one, I went to uh, rewatch it. I was like, mm, man, I just watched this. Maybe, maybe it'll get a little old. But, man, it was still hilarious i was rolling on the floor laughing. oh it's so uh, it's so funny and it's i mean it's uh, not that long it's just under two hours oh yeah i mean yeah it's it's i don't know if i would say a tight movie because i mean there's it's a needlessly complicated plot that doesn't go anywhere right <laughs> so it's not t- it's not it's not tight in that aspect but like it feels like a fast movie it does. It does go seemingly fast for being a very slow pace. <laughs> yeah, with with nothing of substance happening, really. Honestly, yeah. So, um, I guess that kind of. Why, why don't we jump right into the summary and like give us a rundown of uh, give us a rundown of the Big Lebowski. Sounds good, man. So Jeffrey, the dude Lebowski, lives a relaxed life of bowling, weed, and white Russians. Until one day he is confused for a much wealthier man of the same name, which results in his rug being uh, soiled. The dude becomes acquainted with the other, Jeff Lebowski, and soon after, that Lebowski requests that the dude be a courier to, retri- to retrieve his kidnapped wife. The drop goes awry, thanks to some help from his friend, uh, Walter, and more complications ensue. And multiple parties approach the dude and uh, want the money. With the dude trying to figure out the what's going on along the way. Ultimately, he finds out the kidnapping was a hoax. And, con- and the story concludes with the dude once again at the bowling alley abiding. And a movie. Yep, you nailed it. And it's a shame about the rug because it really tied the room together. There's a uh, there's definitely a plot here, an overly convoluted plot, but but a very loose plot. Really, too. really not much happens though. Yeah, I mean, uh, like we have all the different parties that want the money or are interested in the money and all offering him a reward for finder's fee and all that, all that stuff. But I mean, really, it's irrelevant by the end. By in the last five minutes, nothing, none of it matters. The only thing that matters is league bowling. Exactly. <laughs> as, as John Goodman likes to say. Uh, so uh, what do you find in terms of uh, filmmaking, sty- filmmaking and styles and, uh, in that vein, Ty? All the shots, um, especially like just from the opening scene, uh, the tumbleweed, like it, it, all the shots were really interesting and like really well composed. Um, which like isn't it's kind of the same way in uh the only other Coen brother movie that I knew of before like looking further into it was Burn After Reading 
and like that movie was just i mean directed really great too um but like the noir style of it all and the color uh the color choice it just really popped and um it was just so like it was it was obviously like came out in 98 but it was just so 90s like early 90s everything felt just so 90s and it, i loved it sam elliott says explicitly he's like this takes place in the early 90s <laughs> yep yeah and but without even saying that you could tell oh yeah from the opening scene in ralph's you know but they do a great job of like putting in those like uh hw bush like talking on the tv yeah. uh yep you know other things you'll like there's like uh there's a photograph of uh nixon in the background of a couple things um like everything about the movie is like super 90s the bowling alley layout um but I think the big thing about all of that was the color that really that really like stood out to me. Uh, yeah, it was definitely like the color was number one in terms of like filmmaking and camera work and stuff like that. It was just like awesome, and the cutscenes were all really great. And you see like really awesome cutscenes from the beginning where the intruders are uh, given given the dude uh, a swirly. <laughs> It took oh, me a yeah. second to think of that word. I haven't I haven't said that word since like middle school. Did you find that uh you find that Bush senior quote? I did. Uh so H.W. Bush says, uh this aggression will not stand. This ag- uh and this aggression oh, yeah, will not and stand. He repeats it. And then the dude repeats it later on. And so I wanted to bring this up later, but I mean I might as well bring it up now. Uh like <laughs> there's so many points in this movie where we see uh like doubling and things coming up again later on from what and mm-hmm. and they're not it's not, like none of them are important really uh no. but they they're, just they're, like they're all like funny they're all like funny um like small thing like recurring things that uh kind of play into the whole uh shoot what's the effect called i'm blanking on it I don't know. We're, we're like the the subcon like subliminal. It was all sub. There was a whole bunch of subliminal. Oh yeah, things yeah. going on because at once. The dude, it's like mainly centered around what's happening around the dude because like yeah. all the stuff that's happening and like things that he hears, he tries to incorporate in either his life or his subconscious. Uh, later, right. so like a few are like that H. W. Bush quote, and then he says it to Lebowski like, I don't know probably 15 minutes in the film later. Uh, and then there's another quote uh, when he's talking to Maude and she, uh, she says uh, she, she's been banging Jackie Treehorn to use the parlance of our time. And uh, <laughs> then he gets into the limo with the big Lebowski and Brant and uh, he he brings it up, but he uses it like wrong. Uh, and he's like, yeah. you know, a young trophy wife in the parlance of our time. And <laughs> he has no idea what it means, what it means, but he just like brings it up anyway. And then no, he's very, uh, he's like, a he, he just, he takes in information and just puts it right back out there. I mean, it happens right from like, Walter has that big, the biggest influence on him. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, because like Walter's the one that gets him to go get the rug in the first place from the Big Lebowski, right? Because right. he wasn't he, even here's gonna... the thing. Uh, like Walter, Walter's his best friend in pretty much his. Uh, I mean, his all. I, I kind of want to say like his alter ego. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't know. Can about you see that. that or no? Am I just? Am I? Am I? I don't think so. I think they're totally. I'm kind of surprised they're friends because they're so different. Oh yeah, for sure. But I. I guess I mean that in a way like when when Walter says something, the dude finally comes around to seeing it that way and kind of and kind of incorporates that like like just adapting and adopting like the she kidnapped she kidnapped herself you know and kind of believing that yeah yeah no I I yeah nah, well there's I, I mean the, I there's that and there's the thing about the rug like he didn't even care he was just telling them the story. And right. then he's like, that was your rug. Uh, 
He's like, that really tied the room together. And then he's like, yeah, it did. It really tied the room together. And then he gets all mad. <laughs> uh, but This aggression will not this stand, This aggression man. will not stand, man. Uh, I love that, the, like, every, the way he delivers each line. Like, I think John oh, Goodman so has the best quotes. But, like, the way uh, he delivers the lines, uh, it's just, like, the way the dude does. It's just so good. His way yeah. of speaking. So, I think the main... Well, we already touched on this, so let's get into the noir thing. Uh, so, mm-hmm. this is like an obvious twist on the noir genre. Um, right. So, like, Joel Cohen said that they modeled this after, uh, like, Raymond Chandler's works with, uh, like, Philip Marlowe as the private eye and... Uh, I guess it's a playoff. Like it's this is the Big Lebowski and Philip Marlowe had a novel, The Big Sleep, that was turned into a movie too. That was in like the height, mm-hmm. the height of the noir genre, uh, in the forties. But so this is a noir film, but it just turns everything, every noir uh, normality on its head. So, like, anytime there's a noir aspect or trope, it just gets, like, undercut right away. So... Oh, yeah. Uh, and and it kind of leaves them all... I wouldn't... It just gets cut off. Like, they start the whole noir aspects, and then it just dies right there where it started almost. Well, it never develops any more than just, like... You know what I mean? Well, I think it... I don't know. I think it develops because they just keep bringing up these, uh, these tropes. But... Uh, but they never come through. You know what I mean? Like the plot builds because it's like a noir plot. It's just not. It just doesn't look like a noir, you know. Mm-hmm. But they throw those noir aspects in. But like, uh, so there's, there's the voiceover by Sam Elliott uh, at the beginning and end, and uh, it like sets it up at the beginning, and he's he's talking and he's building up this this hero character as the tumbleweeds rolling, you know, mm-hmm. uh, like this big, this big, important, what would usually be a detective. And, uh, then it sh- the dude walks up with his, uh, sandals, his robe, uh, into the store to buy uh, half and half. And, uh, and then it like that undercuts it for one. And then Sam Elliott's talking. He's like, ah, oh, I forgot what I was saying. Well, that doesn't matter. Um, so, like, it's just, like, turning that importance on its head. Right. And then one of the... Which I guess is where I meant that it never really fully, like, comes to fruition I get, on a lot of things. I, like, it starts the whole new, like, the whole new R kind of um, background and kind of meaningful deepness, and then it just kind of dulls out. Yeah, I, I see what you mean. I get it. Even with the private eye... And then if you look at a lot of the shots, too. Yeah. Well, that uh, all right. So I want to go over a few of these things that they undercut. So <laughs> probably the most, like, the d- detective thing that happens is when he's at Jackie Treehorns. And he's sitting on the couch, and Jackie gets <laughs> that phone call. And he writes something down on a pad of paper. And he leaves. <laughs> yeah. And the dude, wanting to, like, uncover this mystery of what he wrote down goes over and shades that paper like it's like a total yep. detective move that a private oh, yeah used. and it was so it was like i watched <laughs> i was like oh yeah i forgot about doing that and then he gets to it and, uh it's just that guy with the dick and <laughs> just and he's that, just like he looks at it, he's like what yeah uh but yeah it's just like uh every time there's any time that a noir aspect gets come up it's like you look it it just brings up like that guy with a dick. <laughs> and uh so another one is so they he like I guess his other piece of detective work is when he finds that homework in the seat. He's like looking at it mm-hmm. and he's like, Oh, Larry yeah. Sellers and he's like and then John Goodman <laughs> finds out where he lives and stuff. Then they get there and they're like they look like or at least John Goodman does, but she thinks they're like policemen and mm-hmm. uh then they start interrogating him, and it's just like goes off the rails in like two seconds because all he has prepared right in front of his right in front of his 
dying father <laughs> on a pump machine. Uh, both really huge fans, and then they just go on to scold their son. And it, I thought it was just so hilarious. Like in the background, is just like this yeah. machine keeping the dad alive. I mean, like in a very dark humor way. Oh yeah, and I, like all like all John Goodman had prepared was: Is this your homework, Larry? Is this your homework, yeah. Larry? <laughs> he just like thought he was gonna crack right away. <laughs> uh, didn't say a word the entire time. Uh, and then he brings up Vietnam, of course. Um, oh yeah. But so yeah, so like, uh, and then so instead of like your hard drinking, suave guy like smoking cigarettes, like our our private eye is the dude who just like who smokes weed and drinks white Russians uh, all the time. He always has a white Russian always has a white russian and it i would i think there's maybe two scenes he smokes weed a lot throughout the movie and i think there's only two scenes where it's like a full joint the rest it's just roaches <laughs> yeah when he's in the bathroom. That he can barely that he yeah oh <laughs> uh, that's a good one uh but yeah no like it's just like uh it's it i just love how they twist that uh that narrative um so it's so it's so funny that too um joel and ethan cohen said that they based the dude off of loosely they said loosely but i don't know how much i believe it they based his character loosely off like a friend they have oh really i didn't and uh who who calls himself the dude and so I guess Jeff Briggs would always come up to them before scenes and be like, would the dude be high during this? And they'd be like, yeah. And he would like go over in a corner and like rub his eyes till his eyes got really red. And then would just come back and say like, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, I, I want, I should have kept track of how many times he corrected people when they'd call him Jeffrey. And oh yeah. He's like, it's, it's the dude. Or Mr. Lebowski. <laughs> yeah. It's actually the dude. Call me the dude, El Duderino. <laughs> if you're not into the whole brevity, uh, whole brevity the, thing. Yeah, whole brevity thing. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right, we gotta start, we gotta warm up on the quote and die. We're getting too heavy on it. I know. I know. It's, <laughs> it's so easy to do. It's it so easy is. To do. We'll it pull is. back. Uh, we'll pull back. So probably the biggest thing in this film, and that I guess came out of this film is like the philosophical and like religious aspect of it. So there's actually a church called the church of the latter day dude, uh, who follows the religion of dudism. Like this is legit. <laughs> like you can become ordained for the church of the latter as a, dude. as a dude, as a dude pastor. Well, yeah, you can marry pastor people. Dude. You can become ordained and marry people like legit. <laughs> it's a recognized religion. Uh, oh man, I kind of want to. I kind of want to look up churches in my area. <laughs> so I like the church I'm going to now, but I don't know. I, I don't know <laughs> if they have churches. I think they just kind of all sit on their own couches and smoke weed. But I don't know. They they, they might bowl. <laughs> they yeah, they meet at the local bowling alley. <laughs> um, so, Dudism is based on Taoism, like the Eastern religion and philosophical tradition. And so that involves with, uh, I guess the central tenet is like to become one with like the unplanned rhythms of the universe and to just kind of go with the flow, uh, which is what the dude does. Uh, nice, man. Like he says, this is at the very end, he's talking to uh, Sam Elliott's character, the stranger. And he says, uh, Sam Elliott asks him how life's going. And the dude says, oh, you know, uh, gutters and strikes. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so like, that kind of like simplifies things of like simplifies Taoism. But like that's pretty much the, the heart of it. Like there's ups and downs and you just have to embrace it. You have to uh, mm-hmm. roll with it. Uh, if I can add my bowling pun there. Um, so I look. Like, oh, nice. I didn't even get that. <laughs> Thank you. Nice. Um, nice. I like how you snuck that in there. <laughs> so there's, according to Taoism, 
there is there are the three treasures and those do include, they have their own website dudism yeah yeah i think so uh, i didn't know if that's where you got all this information from. no this is Taoism. i'm talking about it's oh similarities oh, 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 oh i thought we were talking about dudism so, oh no sorry sorry sorry, sorry, sorry. uh <laughs> so there's in Taoism, there's three treasures and that's compassion frugality and humility and like the dude exemplifies all these uh treasures as it's put so like compassion he's pretty much the only character in the film that's compassionate did you notice that oh yeah he's the only one who cares a little bit yeah exactly um so but like he only cares a little bit <laughs> yeah well yeah i guess he doesn't get too until the end it, it builds it definitely builds it, it, it goes from not caring at all to he is he is compassioned in in does care a lot about something i don't know i don't i don't think i think he cares about other people the whole movie eh. <laughs> i don't know i think it builds uh, i i disagree but uh so like he goes to his landlord's play uh that interpretive dance uh, you're right you know you i want to i want to renege on what i just said uh so it's <laughs> like where there's only like five other people there and he's like, yeah, sure. I'll go and I'll give you notes on like your performance and stuff. Yeah. And like he, you can tell the landlord, like really like he doesn't even want to bring up the rent stuff because like he really like respects the dude mm-hmm. uh, and his opinion on things. Uh, but then, even though like, he's a week and three days late. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that's probably why he gets that week and three days. It's because he respects him. But and then, like, he he actually does care about uh, Bunny being killed. Like, he doesn't want her to get killed. Uh, and then, like, John Goodman convinces him, like, nah, she took herself, uh, she kidnapped herself and uh, kind of talks him into that. But I don't think he ever, like, he has compassion the whole way through. Like, he's just trying to get out of the mess. Yeah. He's just trying to get out of the mess. Yeah, I take back what I said. Okay. He doesn't care about trivial things. He doesn't care about anything that's not a person. Exactly. He doesn't care about trivialities. Which yeah. which brings yeah, you, so that's which brings up the second ahead, treasure. <laughs> brings up the second treasure and that's frugality. Uh so like not not caring about material things. So like as long as he's got his uh Kahlua half and half and uh his uh, a little bit of weed, he doesn't really care about much else. In terms of material right. things. And he lives quite... In bowling. He lives quite simply, yeah, in bowling. Uh, and then the third treasure is humility. And there's I don't think there's ever a point where the dude comes off as, like, arrogant. Like, he quips. Right. He's always quipping when people are, like... Like, those guys that broke into his apartment or his house, right? Like, at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, he drops a bowling ball. And the dude's like... I take it you're not much of a golfer. Yeah. <laughs> Even though he just got beat up by those guys. Uh, yeah. He's always quipping, but, like, he's never arrogant like the Big Lebowski is. Right. Or uh, John Goodman. Well, it's, it's I mean, and they just, like, they're complete different differences. I mean, all the way around. Oh, yeah, for sure. Young, but old, young old, abled, disabled, uh, or not abled, I guess I should say. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You know, cares about everything and every cent. Doesn't care about a dime. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so, like, pretty much the whole movie, or most of the movie, the, du- the dude kind of follows uh, this uh, philosophy. And uh, there's, like, only a couple times where he kind of freaks out because the situation's not going how... Like, because Walter screws things up or whatever. And... Uh, I think this was after the drop goes wrong or something. I can't remember what what point this was, but he's the dude's kind of freaking out, and Walter says, "Yeah, that was it was right after the drop went wrong because uh, he kept saying, now they're gonna kill that poor girl, man.' Yeah, and he's like, that's when that's kind of like the peak of his kind of, uh, I guess you could say, like wor- worriness, you know? Yeah, he's freaking out there, and then I guess even before." I think it's before when like Walter starts driving him and they're riding over there and he, he picks up the phone and screws up when he's talking to the nihilist. And, Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's when he starts freaking out for the first time. And John Goodman's like, uh, 
you're being very undude right now. Yeah. <laughs> so like he's being very on his like normal philosophy. Like he's got to regain his uh, morals and like what he is as a person. That whole John, yeah, John, ah, man, John Goodman and as Walter is just so good. But I feel like we could talk about that character all day. Oh yeah, for sure. There's so many, so many funny things about it. Um, so there's this movie talks a lot about like different philosophies. So like, obviously we have the nihilists, uh, which is which brings up one of my favorite quotes. But uh, so like the nihilists, like nihilism. It means you don't believe in nothing or don't believe in anything, mm-hmm. obviously. Right. And, uh, but like, you even don't, you don't believe in nothing, <laughs> don't believe in nothing. Ah, uh, so like this kind of <laughs> John Goodman points out that they, they don't even believe in nihilism because like they want the money and they believe in money and, right. Uh, what, what, what is fair. And, uh, and that's when John gets fair. Who's a nihilist around here? <laughs> uh, but uh, so like, there's that. The concept and, of fair got brought up actually a couple times throughout the movie. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think that goes towards like the Taoism thing. Like, fair doesn't matter. You just have to accept what's there. You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, market zero dude market zero dude uh <laughs> and that so like speaking of smoky uh they bring up pacifism and fascism comes up too so like passion yeah pacifism versus fascism that's a like a good duality there and like the dude says he's a pacifist and smoky is he was a conscientious objector and uh uh wait i got the quote here what's walter say uh, oh, pacifism. Walter said he's talking about Smokey, and he's like, pacifism is not something to hide behind, dude. <laughs> uh, but um, so like that comes up, uh, and then when he's at the police department after he gets uh away from Jackie Treehorn, that cop throws that throws his mug at him. He's like, yeah, right on the forehead. <laughs> you fascist. He calls him a fascist. <laughs> and uh, I just thought that was interesting. Like, it was just an interesting uh, writing choice by the Coen brothers to, like, bring up fascism when, like, pas- uh, pacifism was brought up earlier. And the whole movie's pretty much about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't even realize his undertones. Look at you taking it to a whole new level. Oh, yeah. You know, I try, Ty. I try. <laughs> Um. Uh, so I speaking of like uh, the personality did you notice that like pretty much everybody else besides the dude uh, doesn't care like is totally self involved oh yeah uh, like nobody like what are you, are you saying with the whole movie or yeah, in the, the whole movie, like any, yeah. like his friends, and well, besides like Sam Elliott, but um, like his friends and Maude, Big Lebowski, uh, even Brant, uh, everybody is just like so totally consumed with their own agenda. Donnie, <laughs> well, Don, Donnie, Donnie tries. Donnie tries to be involved. He does, but he's kind of just like he. Donnie's like a little kid, though. Yeah, he's like they needed the. They needed one more person to join the league. <laughs> well, and he's and he's hitting strikes. What's well, weird? Yeah, he does. He knocks down every strike until that last frame, right before he has until the attack. end. Yeah, right before he has his heart attack. A little bit of foreshadowing. <laughs> right before he dies, uh, which I wanted to bring up too. Uh, you know, getting a little bit more shallow. <laughs> like it's I, it's so funny that the person who's least involved in the whole entire movie and plot is the one who dies. And he doesn't even die from any violence whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. That was a freaking heart attack, dude. Hilarious. That was, oh, it's crazy. Heart attacks are not hilarious. Oh, I don't, that made me sad. Donnie's was. Donnie was like, I love Donnie. I know. I Yeah, like, it kind of made you just, like, feel bad. 
Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. Donnie's like the most, I mean, the dude's likable for sure. But like besides him, oh, Donnie's yeah. the most likable character. Because like, yeah, he's never does anything wrong. He just wants to go to like In-N-Out Burger. Uh, <laughs> and just wants to be in the loop of what's going on. And John Goodman's Dude, always he was so down. he was so he was so scared when the Corvette owner started beating <laughs> up the car. Dude, uh, oh my gosh, that was such a funny scene too. It was. You want to see what happens when you fuck a stranger in the ass? <laughs> I wasn't happens. gonna I wasn't gonna use that quote, but it's so hard to make it through this podcast without bringing that quote up. Oh, man. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so did you notice uh, uh speaking of like the donnie and uh john goodman relationship did you notice any like uh themes of like masculinity manhood or what it was trying to say on that oh yeah for sure i mean walter was always like the dominant force and, and wore his masculinity on his sleeve yeah, exactly. Like, he's always, he demeans Donnie all the time. Oh, yeah. As a, I think as a place, or as a attempt to try to bring his, or to kind of show his masculinity and dominance. Show he's the top dog. Yeah, exactly. He's the final word in. Because he yeah, knows the sure. dude's, he knows the dude is, like, chill and not going to try mm-hmm. to do that. So he's got to, like, tone down Donnie so he can be the top dog in the group. Uh, and 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 he's always right. Walter's always right. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean? Like he's like always like what doesn't matter what anybody else says to him. He's he's right. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And so like, so he's always like the loudest guy in the room, and then he's always talking or diner, <laughs> or diner. Uh and he's always yelling at people. And talking down to him, but like, he I think Walter is just the kind of guy that would you know whip out a gun and tell you your toe went over the line. <laughs> exactly because Cause, he's because it's league night. <laughs> well, yeah, and he's like that. That is probably the biggest example. Like he's totally overcompensating because he doesn't. Yep. And he feels, uh so I mean, Walter's got a lot of stuff going. Like he's always bringing up Vietnam. Uh he got divorced That's from his, his wife. job. <laughs> what? Said his job is to remind people of Vietnam. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he's always doing that. He got divorced from his wife like multiple years before. And mm-hmm. she's already t- with another guy. But he still feels like he's got to take care of her dog. And uh, <laughs> has be, papers, and, man. And be part of her religion. You know, like, like, uh, the dude tells me, he's like, you're not even Jewish, man. And <laughs> he's like, I converted when I married. Uh, so like, he's kind of st- like, he feels, uh, I think he feels em- emasculated by that, that, that his, right. his need to do that. And I guess try to like be in the good graces with his ex-wife, uh, to maybe like, he hopes win her back, even though it won't happen. But, like, so he feels emasculated by that, so he's got to, like, overcome it elsewhere. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, and, and just, like, just the way he acts toward everything. You know what I mean? I, I don't know. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, I think the biggest example of the um, showcasing of masculinity is when he pulls the gun out on Smokey. Yeah, yeah. Totally overcompensating there. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> the dude's like, just, it's it, just a game, man. Uh, yeah. but so another, uh, figure that came to mind when I looked at this theme was the, the big Lebowski himself. So like, he's always, he's got all these accomplishments lining his wall and, uh, bragging about how he pulled himself up by his bootstraps and that, you know, he's always working hard to get to what he's got. But then like Maud says, he didn't do anything. Uh, she gives him an allowance uh, to live off of because he doesn't actually have any money of his own. Right. Uh, he, he kind of has to be that, you know, get a job, son. Like he's that, uh, do it yourself kind of guy. Like you don't need, you know. exactly. Even though he didn't. And, and 
Go ahead, I, so. I, I was just agreeing with you. I said, yeah, exactly. Even though he didn't do that. Like he lost right. all his money. It was, hand, it was handed down to him, but he feels like he had earned every single exactly. Or at least he wants to put on those everything. pretenses. Right. Uh, and then, for sure. uh, Brant <laughs> takes pride in, which was, I, I loved his character. I, I love Philip Seymour Hoffman, but, uh, <laughs> so Brant takes pride in the big Lebowski's accomplishments, not even his own. Like he, like when the dude's looking at all the plaques, he's, uh, describing them and like, you can just tell by like the way he's talking and the look on his face, like how proud he is of these accomplishments when he didn't do anything. Oh yeah. No, uh, he's the classic servant, like the, <laughs> you know, passive, um, I don't even know. Yes, man. Yeah. Yes. Even more than that. Even yeah. More than that. Like in the, in the, in the, uh, uh, scene, where w- one of my favorite scenes, camera-wise, but when the dude's listening to the messages and Brant's like, "Hey, this is Brant. Um, if you could just give me a call back." And then the second message, he's like, "And it, it, it I can assure you, it has nothing to do with the rug that you stole." <laughs> I, I, that seems like, so good because uh, he goes. That's when the landlord comes and those messages are playing. Yep. He goes out, talks to the landlord for a while, comes back in. The messages are still playing. And there's Brant still talking. Yeah. I was like, how many messages did he leave? Yeah. <laughs> and that scene, trend, like, uh, that's when, oh, uh, shoot, where, I had it down here. Uh, the pan, the whole pan up of, like, the white Russian to his phone to Nixon bowling, <laughs> the big poster of Nixon bowling, uh, while he's pouring the, you know, his white Russian there. It's just like a great. It's just great camera work, um, but it's probably one of my favorite. Like, I, I, I don't even lol scene. Maybe you know what I mean. Like, it's just kind of like a filler scene. Like, there's not action going on, and there's nothing that has to really do with. I guess you could say the messages kind of have to do with the plot because it shows like his lack in caring. Yeah, he's not um, too worried about picking up. But the it's just phone like such a, anybody back. No, ever. <laughs> And so how can we forget, like, probably the biggest thing in terms of, like, the theme of masculinity in this movie is the nihilist threatening to chop off the dude's Johnson. Oh, yeah. So, like, yeah. literally saying, <laughs> we're going to take away your masculinity. Because, so earlier, yeah. uh, when he's... And I just want to put this out there, too. The scissors uh, were repeated throughout oh, yeah. the movie. Starting with... There was a couple different pieces of artwork, at least one, I think maybe multiple, uh, that, oh shoot, what's Mod. her name? In, uh, yeah, in Maud's studio that were mm-hmm. scissors. Yeah, with the red background. With the red background, Which is the Nihilists yep. are wearing red when they have those big scissors. Like, obviously he took that and put it in his mm-hmm. subconscious. And. Yeah. Are they, are they Nazis? Well, they brought up <laughs> castration, Donnie. No, they're not. All right, we can't. All right, all right. I was gonna get into it, but I know we're we're quoting too much. We're quoting too Um, much. It's so easy to do. But yeah, so like, uh, it calls back to the beginning. Like they're threatening to do that, and at the, or I guess closer to the beginning when he's talking to the Big Lebowski, and he's sitting there in front of the fire, and he says, "What makes a man, Mister Lebowski?" Uh, He says, "Is it doing the right thing, whatever the cost." And the dude says, yeah, that and a pair of testicles. <laughs> yeah. So like, and then they're threatening, well, they're th- not threatening to chop his testicles off, but they're threatening to chop his Johnson off, which is for, uh, in terms of theme, pretty much the same thing. Uh, yes. So, yeah, I guess those are the biggest, biggest. Uh, and it's, it's funny that Johnson was brought up so much to reference the dong because, uh, that was the only one that when Maud said it, she's like, uh, he, he was kind of like Johnson. Yeah. Like Johnson. He, did, he didn't really fully yeah. wrap his head around that one. Uh, so I know you wanted to cover some, uh, some of the shots in the movie or some of the, uh, scenes. What did you, uh, what'd you have in mind? 
Yeah, so like I said, you know, him, I, I really like the scene of him making his uh, white Russian as the camera pans up. But the like I said, I, the color in this movie was just bomb. And one of my favorite scenes is when he's laying on the his new rug that he just stole from the Big Lebowski, smoking his roach, listening to bowling, the championships. Uh, <laughs> and you just hear pins going down in the background. And... Uh, that's when Maud sent the people to take the rug back, obviously. And they he just opens his eyes, and you just see the fist coming down, and it goes immediately. Like, the cuts in this movie were awesome, too, because it went from that straight to fireworks. Yeah, right into the uh, dream um, sequence. Yep. Well, no, 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 no. Not, not, the, not the big Well, it's sequence. one of the dream sequences. Yeah, yeah, it's one of, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it goes into the magic yeah, carpet. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you're right. goes into the magic carpet going over uh, California. Um, yeah, the cuts were just perfect in that. Uh, and then there was a whole bunch of other, like, cool just camera angles. They had the camera inside the bowling ball as it was rolling, which was really awesome. Yeah, I'll... The way that they shot... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, the way that they shot every bowling scene in the bowling alley was just great. Oh, what were you going to say about the... I was going to say, pretty much all the shots that they have in the dream sequences are pretty cool looking. Uh, because they can kind of get out of the realistic type and like get into some weird stuff yep for sure uh here let me just, i'm just thumbing through my uh, notes what well, you said you mentioned all the bowling all the scenes of the bowling alley uh probably the greatest mm-hmm. like the when the like the intro one uh when bob dylan's playing and you know all the credits are rolling at the beginning and like the way yeah. they yeah the way it's stylized is so uh it's so neat because like like the slow motion and like the way everybody's kind of acting is like kind of like artsy or like high art but like it like the one i'm thinking of is when that guy throws a strike and then it you can't even see his head it's just a sh- the shot of oh, his yeah, gut. Oh, yeah, you just see his gut. <laughs> and then he does that, yeah. like, he shakes with his, like, arm. Uh, the little yeah. shimmy. And it's just, like, so good. It's hilarious when it's supposed yeah. to be, like, artful Honestly, shots. Honestly, I, I think one of my favorite shots in the bowling alley was uh, introducing Jesus. Oh, man, a, and a great song, too. Dude, how do we not How do we not talk about him? I mean, like, oh, my oh that's gosh. so good. Because that... The uh, Spanish version of <laughs> the Eagles comes man. on. Oh, it's so good. The scene that introduces him when he's drying his hand uh, <laughs> over the fan and he has like just really colorful rings and then it goes up and the, just the shot of him dead center, like the little arc to his weird body frame as he's standing with the mm-hmm. bowling ball. And then it just cuts to him licking the <laughs> bowling ball. Oh my gosh. That whole, and like he wasn't, he wasn't, I mean, I guess, yeah, he wasn't really an antagonist, but I, it was it was just kind of, like, built up as he would be, yeah. you know what I mean? And he was really the only person, I didn't even think of this until just now, he was kind of the only person that Walter didn't, you know what I mean? Walter didn't stand up to get in their face. No, he kind of just let him yell at him, and he's like, eight-year-olds, dude. Eight-year-olds, eight dude. <laughs> Oh, we didn't bring him. We didn't bring uh, him up when we were talking about masculinity. Because, like, man, I know. But, I know. Oh, speaking of him, they're actually the actor John Turturro. He is writing and directing a spinoff uh, for that character. I think it's coming out next next year. Oh, it's really? coming out. Yeah. Twenty two years later, it's yeah. gonna come out. Uh, Oh so, my gosh, I'm that's hilarious. To see where that goes, but I, I don't know. I don't know if I'll watch it. But yeah, so I th- man, that was for somebody who was only in two scenes, I think, to get a spin-off. Yeah. Man, I was surprised. But I mean, it was <laughs> great. Those were great scenes, both the ones he was in. Oh yeah, for sure. Um Yeah, and then as far as the, another funny thing about like the camera work was like the slow motion at the beginning that you were talking about before you see the fat guy gut shimmy and all that, <laughs> uh, the people bowling were just not good. Yeah. Do, yeah. Did you notice that? Like, they were, the balls were all hitting, like, way before the yeah. alley. 
Now, yeah, that shot where the three of them are going right in a row. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. I noticed that, too. <laughs> I just, I had a laugh at that. Um, and I, I don't know if it's, like, I kind of wonder if it was, like, uh, if they did that to kind of be funny or if they didn't have, like, high-speed cameras in, in the 90s. I mean, they did to an extent, but, like, I wonder if they told them to just go through the motion slower. You know what I mean? No, I bet that was filmed like that. Like, it was filmed and they slew it, slowed it down. No, that's just, like, your opinion, <laughs> yeah. Touche. But, <laughs> no, you're probably right. Um, I don't know enough about, I'm not. Because, like, if they. Th- I don't know enough about what they filmed on to even. Because if they know. slowed it down, or if they didn't slow it down and they just told the people to go slow, the balls would have felt like. Oh, no, no, no. I think, I think like, I'm just, I don't think they went full speed. I, I bet they told them to, like, slow oh, their Oh, make their movements more, like, pronounced. Yeah, so that way it was it was like a smoother shot. But I have no idea what I'm talking about. I have no idea what they filmed this on or how they filmed that. Yeah, aspect no, I see of what it. you're saying. I'm here merely to talk about the color and composition. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but no, as far as that goes, and I like the last fight scene with the Germans, dude, was just gold. The cut scenes, the the you know the the quick pans, the fight, just like. As far as, like, shooting the fight went, I thought it was hilarious and, and just really well done. Yeah, because, like, it's like Donnie and the dude are, like, so inept at fighting. And uh, John yeah. Goodman just goes hard. Bites that guy's ear off. Dude, he's been waiting. He's been waiting for this. Yeah, he's been waiting for this moment yeah. since Nom, dude. Bites that guy's ear off, spits it 40 <laughs> feet in the air. Oh, man. Uh. uh. But yeah, um, so all in all, just a great, just a great movie. Is uh, does that do it for you, Ty? I think that does it for me, man. Um, how does twenty one years ago? How does Sam Elliott look the exact same as he looks today? And he doesn't age, dude. And he hasn't for years. It's insane. I guess. I guess whenever they wanted him for this movie. He asked the Cone Brothers, he's like, uh, so, like, I don't really know. He's like, I'm honored to be here, and I want to be a part of it, but, like, I don't really understand what you want me to do. And they were kind of just like, yeah, we don't really either. But they just wanted his voice. And uh, and he's what? He's only in two shots, I think. Mm, yeah, I guess, yeah, he's only in two shots. I think he voices over. Oh, he voices over a few, a few other ones, but he's only in yeah. two, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that, that wraps it up for my notes on on the subject. What, what do you, you have anything else to touch upon? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, we talked about dudism. I mean, that's the big thing. Yeah. Uh, you got a, uh, you got a favorite quote, Ty? Oh, it's hard to choose. Man. It's hard to choose. We've talked a lot about him already. I but. know. I just like every, anything that Walter says. Um, I think I think my favorite quote is just like at the beginning when the dude's telling Walter about his rug, and Donnie comes over and tries to be a part of the conversation, and Walter's just like, "Forget it, Donnie. You're out of your element." <laughs> like, oh, I just love it. Ah, uh, that I mean that is a good one. Yeah, pretty much any time he's like, any any time he any time yeah he's yelling or like when he's at the coffee I, dude. There's just too many. Yeah, probably I think my hands down favorite is uh when he says uh the dude says he's like no they're Nazis uh and the dude's like no they're nihilists. <laughs> he's like oh shit. <laughs> I mean s- say what you want about the tenets of national socialism, dude. At least it's an ethos. <laughs> oh, it kills me every time. It's so good. Say what you will about the attendance of National Socialism. Uh, yeah, I, I just like I every mean, line in the movie was is like... No, it's great writing by the Coens. Oh my gosh, it's so good. I think my, fav- my favorite quote overall would have to be the dude abides. Dude abides. <laughs> uh, taking it easy for all of us sinners. So uh, what, would, what would you give this movie on a on a one to ten scale? Uh, 
I would probably I would give this a nine out of ten. All right, yeah, I'd go eight, eight and a half. I was thinking I was yeah. thinking about this in the shower. It's more eight and a half. <laughs> what uh, would make yeah, it? A- I, like I don't know though. I, I have a hard time. Like I might have to bump it to a nine too because I I don't. It's hard for me to say definitively what would make it a ten. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and like a lot of the times with like you can't really say this should have done this and it would have been ten. Like a movie's right. a ten, or it isn't. Yeah, you know that's what true. I mean? That's true. I like the, I like, like when it's it a, that way. When it's a nine, you can't see of any improvements, but like there could. You know what I mean? It just yeah. depends on what the director and writers do. Yeah, that's but. true. All right, I think that about does it up for me. Uh, so, where can people go if they want to listen to our podcast, listen to earlier episodes, and those forthcoming? So, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, wherever you get your podcast. That's Roll It, a movie podcast. Uh, we're available on all those platforms. Anchor? Are we available on Anchor? Uh, I don't know. I never heard of that one. <laughs> You must not follow Gary V. Aren't you like? Are you a Stitcher guy? Is that what you listen to your podcast on? Yeah, I like Stitcher. I mean, that's what I've. Why always, do you like? I mean, I've always used it. That's what I started using when I had my old uh, Android. So like, mm. I just I didn't have uh, the need to go to Apple Podcasts. But I mean, hey, whatever, mm. whatever floats your goat, right? Yeah, whatever floats your goat. Uh, yeah, no, I get it. I'm more of an Apple Podcast guy myself, but I think it's just wherever you start building your library up. So yeah. Speaking of Apple Podcasts, uh, give us a review on iTunes. I mean, that would really help us out. We'd really appreciate it, whether it be a one or a five. Uh, either one would be great. Yeah, good, bad, or ugly, we'll take it all. <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> if anybody wants to get a hold of us, uh, where can they get a hold of us, Ty? You can email us uh, at rollitpodcast at gmail.com. Is that right, right? <laughs> That's right, Ty. Okay, good deal. Yeah, you can send us questions, comments, hate mail, suggestions, suggestions critiques, um, anything, really. Uh, yeah, just don't send us anything bad. We'll take what we can get, I guess. Uh, Unless yeah. it's illegal. <laughs> Unless it's illegal. All right, I guess that does it for us. Uh, Keep on abiding, everybody. Talk to you next week. Later.